Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, 
כל אדם מחפש מקומות ונופים חדשים בעולם. הוא חוצה יבשות וימים במסע של הנפש לשם. על כנפי מחוזות הדמיון הוא מפסיק בספינה אל הים, אך בסוף זה הלב, הלב שמוביל, מוביל אותנו לשם. כל הדרכים, השבילים, הכבישים, השנתים מובילים לירושלים כל התפילות, הדמעות, בקשות, מחשבות מובילות לירושלים כל השירים, פיוטים, מזמורים, סיפורים כולם לירושלים, ירושלים
Shabbos Kodesh, he wanders on in. Stands in the back as the Tfilos begin. The mystical words of Lecha Daidi. There's something about that sweet melody. Invited for dinner, Zemiros they sing. Infusing his soul with the joy that they bring. Closing his eyes, his heart starts to soar. Perhaps we can sing that sweet song once more. Ramallah's my home, but inside I feel torn. I was taught to hate Jews, to hurt and to maim, but I felt a connection I could not explain. With anger and fury thrown out of my home, confused and forsaken, I left there alone. But I feel something strange here, his voice fills the room, and over and over he's To say my goodbyes She told me the truth With tears in her eyes I was taken by force We're Jewish, now run Here's a picture to treasure It's where you come from They gathered and stared At the photo he held An image of his grandfather's grave It beheld Rab Kabitz His cave in Svav who wrote Lecha Daidi, we sing Lech Shabbos. Let me go. 
J.M. in the A.M., Benny Friedman with Latova. You heard Pure Soul off of Flipping in the Olam, the name of the selection. Bunch of Lachadodis this morning. You heard Baruch Levine, Moshe Yes, Leif Tahar, and Derek Achim were in there with Lachadodis. In between, Avram, Avram Fried, Avramel had Yerushalayim Shabalev off of the Kamatov brand new album. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on September the 1st, day 10 in the month of Elul, the year 5777, Tavshin Ayin Zion. 
The brand new year coming up sooner than we think. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candle lighting time at 7.08 in the New York area. 7.08 is candle lighting time. Monday's Labor Day. We're here. Monday's Labor Day. Nonetheless, we are here. It's Labor Day weekend. Nonetheless, we have a weekly update today at 7.40, and it's Labor Day weekend. And 23 minutes from now, we have our major announcement. Well, right after our newscast at the top of the hour. Then we'll have the major announcement. Major announcement coming up. One that I think a lot of people are expecting. One that um, is unique because as as much as other people might be able to make a similar type of announcement that we're about to make, nobody could do it like us, uh, I'm proud to say. And uh, nobody has proven in the past that they could do it like us. So the major announcement about 7.05 Eastern Time, looking forward to that. Weekly update, of course, of Ayudin coming up. It's a Friday. You know what that means. Plenty of activity here at the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, right here at JM in the AM. 58 degrees in New York. It's chilly out there, mostly sunny, high 73. Tonight, partly cloudy, low 57. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, a high temperature, 70 degrees. Right now, 79 in Yerushalayim, 58 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Dvekas is next. It's Erev Shabbos. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Rabos bonos, Oh, 
שואלים רחמנו, איתה תורתו ואהבתו בליבנו. יהיו כל מעשינו לשם שמיים.
و عبا لسان و عبا بیرون سالاییم لسان و عبا لسان و عبا لسان و عبا بیرون سالاییم ارنویا لسان و عبا لسان و عبا لسان و عبا بیرون سالاییم لسان و عبا لسان و عبا لسان و عبا بیرون سالاییم ارنویا لسان و عبا بیرون سالاییم بیرون سالاییم هبی نویا لسان و عبا
JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this September the 1st. Day 10 in the month of Elul. How you doing, everybody? Major announcement coming up just a couple of minutes from now, right after our top-of-the-hour newscast with Galay Tzal. I think uh, <laughs> I think it's the worst-kept secret, frankly, in the Jewish world, but it's a good one. It's a good announcement, one I think will make our listeners extremely proud to, again, be uh, listeners and supporters of this great radio broadcast and our wonderful NSN network. Shevas um, Achim. Lashana Haba, Yaakov Shweki had Lashem Shemayim. You heard Michal Brzezinski in there with Latav. Rabos Bonos was Dvekos opening up that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kitetze with candle lighting time at 7.08 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.08, your official candle lighting time in New York. Monday's Labor Day. We are here, Labor Day. Today is Friday of Labor Day weekend. We are here with our weekly update coming up. Malcolm Honline. Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, a major American Jewish organization, slated to speak with me on these airwaves coming up at about 7.40 Eastern time this morning here at JM in the AM. Um, 8.15 for Rabbi Yudin. He'll tell us about the Torah portion of the week, etc., etc. By the way, uh, one of the things that went live this week is uh, the FJB Unity. First of all, fjbunity.org is open. Anybody wants to support our efforts, including what we're doing uh, with the big announcement coming up, please uh, go ahead and do so, fjbunity.org. You also now have options, sponsorship opportunity options on the website if you'd like to sponsor Morning Chizuk or Rabbi Yudin's Dvar Torah on Friday, etc., etc. You have all these options. Just check it out. You can do it in honor of someone, in memory of someone, etc. Uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and click on sponsorship opportunities. America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored... Digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galitza on the background. Do our news from Israel coming up. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting New York, 708. Galitza, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. Major announcement after the newscast. Boker Tov, we say, from JM and the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כנועם אווירה ממה שקורה עכשיו. נשיא רוסיה פוטין מזהיר, ארצות הברית וקוריאה הצפונית נמצאות על סף מלחמה. כתבנו מיכאל האוזר טוב. במאמר שפורסם באתר הקרמלין כתב פוטין, המתיחות עם פיונגיאנג נמצאת רגע לפני התפרצות משבר צבאי חמור. התגרויות לחצים והתבטאויות מלחמתיות אינן הדרך. נשיא רוסיה הוסיף, יש לנהל עם קוריאה הצפונית משא ומתן על תוכנית הגרעין שלה. רוכב אופניים בן 66 נפצע קשה לאחר שאיבד שליטה על אופניו והתהפך סמוך ליישוב קורנית שבגליל המערבי. הוא פונה במסוק לבית החולים רמב״ם בחיפה. המשטרה פתחה בחקירה. בקריית טבעון נפגעה הולכת רגל בת 17 מרכב ונפצעה קשה. כתבנו קובי מנדן באנטקן כי היא פונתה לקבלת טיפול בבית החולים רמב״ם. בית המשפט העליון בקניה ביטל את תוצאות הבחירות לנשיאות שנערכו בחודש שעבר בגלל טענות האופוזיציה לזיופים. כתבנו יותם לביא. מנהיג האופוזיציה רל יהודינגה טען כי מחשבי מערכת הבחירות נפרצו במטרה לזייף את התוצאות הרשמיות, על פיהן ניצח הנשיא המכהן אוהור קנייתה בפער קטן. לאחר הבחירות פרצו מהומות אלימות בקניה, בהן נהרגו למעלה מ-20 בני אדם. בחירות נוספות תיערכנה במדינה האפריקנית בתוך חודשיים. רשת טארגט האמריקנית מתנצלת בפני לקוחותיה לאחר שביטלה אלפי הזמנות לישראל. 
כתבנו גל חן. בהודעת דואר אלקטרוני שנשלחה למספר רב של לקוחות ישראלים, כתבה רשת טארגט שהיא לא נערכה כראוי למשלוחים. בנוסף, התנצלה החברה ובישרה ללקוחות שההזמנה שלהם מבוטלת. גל הביטולים הזה מגיע בעקבות מבצע שערכה הרשת, בו הבטיחה המשלוחים חינם לישראל, אך בעקבות עלויות מכס גבוהות ובירוקרטיה, נאלצה לבטלן. מיליארד וחצי מוסלמים ברחבי העולם מציינים היום את חג הקורבן, עיד אל-אדחה. החג מסיים את טקסי העלייה לרגל למכה, והוא נחשב לחשוב מבין חגי המוסלמים. כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מציין כי העלייה לרגל במועד זה, המכונה חאג', היא אחת מחמש מצוות החובה באסלאם. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עם טמפרטורות רגילות לעונה. בשבת יהיה נאה. ותורגש עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, אל תחמיצו את הרכבת לבית הספר הוגוורטס. על פי עלילת הארי פוטר, היום, 1 בספטמבר 2017, מתרחש פרק אחרית הדבר של הספר, שבו לוקח הארי פוטר את ילדיו אל הרכבת לבית הספר לקוסמים. נקודת המוצא היא כמובן תחנת הרכבת קינגס קרוס שבלונדון. שם התכנסו עשרות מעריצים כדי לציין את המאורע. מדווח כתבנו יותם לחובסקי. המעריצים התכנסו סמוך למקום בו מסומן רציף תשע ושלושה רבעים בתחנת הרכבת קינגס קרוס בלונדון, שם התרחש האפילוג בספר האחרון בסדרת הארי פוטר. על פי שמועות בבריטניה, הסופרת ג'יי קיי רולינג תגיע בעצמה לתחנה לצד רכבת הוגוורטס אקספרס, הדומה לזו בסדרת הספרים. זה הקסם שלנו שמיד נעלם. אלה החדשות שעורך אריאל זיגלר בצוות אילנה בנימין ורומי קפלן. J.M. in the A.M. That's our news from Israel, of course. Galei Tzal. We have a special guest with us live via telephone who we're going to get to in a moment. Just wanted to, we want to take this opportunity now and uh, finally announce what we've been referring to as a major announcement. For us, it is a major announcement because we look at this radio program and our network as something uh, much bigger and much more effective than just a simple radio show or a daily radio presentation, as many of you know. And one of the things that we have done over the years has uh, been to develop what we call a Jewish unity initiative, a Jewish unity initiative which uh, brings support uh, of all varieties, uh, especially emotional and spiritual support and camaraderie and unity uh, to different cities around the world. And many of you are familiar with some of the projects we've embarked on throughout the years, including uh, a trip to Houston, Texas, frankly, back in July of 2015 in the aftermath of of that Memorial Day Shavuos storm uh, that many of us remember and uh, that traumatized the city of Houston um, almost as much um, as uh, this storm, Harvey, has traumatized and devastated the community down there in 2017. Um, the major announcement, frankly, is that um, with the unbelievable cooperation of the OU, uh, the Orthodox Union, which has been out there From day one, as you know, from, from the first drops of rain, frankly, have been out there as one of the major organizations that has been uh, coordinating an effective uh, Harvey Hurricane a Relief Fund, um, along with the incredible cooperation of the OU, we are going to be heading down to Houston uh, to bring our Jewish Unity Initiative and to do what we do best uh, to see... To, um, to tour, to speak to the people down there, and then, of course, transmit all of this uh, through our airwaves and through our social media 
and through our unique presentations, everything that's happening down in the Houston Jewish community. And it is, uh, as we know, and as everybody knows at this point, it is quite a devastating situation, a very difficult one. Already some people from outside of Houston are on the ground down there to help out. Many others, uh, including organizations and friends of ours, are going to be there over the next few days and weeks and months um, at trying their hardest to help as much as possible. And um, the OU and NSN felt it was important and this is where I, again, have to give credit to Alan Fagan and Mike Bain and to the leadership of the OU and to our incredible team here. I felt it was important that we spend at least a couple of days here, uh, a couple of days there, rather, in Houston, uh, transmitting all this information and encouraging people uh, to feel connected to the people down there and obviously to support in every which way, including financially, the efforts to help them recover down there. So we're heading to Houston. It'll be, it'll be Wednesday. We are expecting special guests to accompany us and to be with us on this journey. As that list develops, we will uh, certainly announce them as we get closer and closer to the trip, to the Jewish Unity Initiative Houston 2017. And our own staff, of course, uh, Miriam L. Wallach and Mark Zamek and Yoni Pollock, who frankly is from Houston and is going to be down there even earlier than, than we will, um, and many others uh, will be part of our staff, our team, uh, down uh, in the Houston area, and um, of course, uh, all of this being coordinated with the OU, with the Orthodox Union, who have uh, again stepped up and have encouraged us to go down to undertake this project and to uh, tell the world why it's important to keep our brothers and sisters in mind and why it's important to support them in every which way. So that's what's happening. If you if you are somebody out there uh, who um, who fills a role of Jewish leadership, a role of, um, of um, you know, being well-known in the area of Jewish entertainment, anything like that, please feel free to contact us. Uh, we want to take along people that will be meaningful, people who will be meaningful to the folks in Houston, to the community down there, that will, uh, uh, who they'll gain strength from, who they'll get inspiration from and, and be encouraged by. Uh, so if you're in that category or if you feel you can help in, uh, in, in a similar fashion, feel free to be in touch with us. And we'll see what we can do in terms of expanding this mission. Um, and there will be, like I said, special guests who will be joining us. Uh, we have plans for um, uh, some wonderful uh, activities and gestures for the Houston community down there, primarily, of course, through our broadcast, but other things as well. And uh, we are looking forward to this uh, partnership with the OU and with our incredible sponsors to uh, make this a very successful journey and one that only we can present in the way that we do when we embark on such a mission. The Jewish Unity Initiative continues next week, Houston 2017. With us live via telephone is somebody who has been at the forefront of this entire effort has been overseeing, supervising, and frankly coordinating as much as he possibly can with his staff to again help the people in Houston, Texas. Adir Posey is the regional director of the Western States for the OU's Department of Synagogue and Community Services. Adir, good morning to you. I know it's early where you are. Good morning to you and welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. I appreciate that. We look forward to uh, working with the OU, to continue working with the OU. It seems every time we turn around, thank God, 
There's another project that we are involved uh, with uh, with the the great people at the OU. Um, I can only imagine the demands on you and your office. Maybe demands is the is the wrong word, uh, but the pressure on you and your office this week uh, to respond to what has happened in Houston, Texas. Can you give us a couple of examples of how you and the organization have stepped up to try to help uh, in this devastating situation for the Jewish community down there? Absolutely. Uh, so really what our role is trying to be is to make sure that we coordinate all of the incredible goodwill that is from Kali Israel, really the world over, but especially, of course, here in the United States. Um, there's so much desire to help, and it's just so important that that desire be translated into an organized and coordinated effort. I mean, that's really part of the role we're trying to play, we're trying to do it in three specific areas. Um, the first, of course, is the fundraising effort. Um, there's lots of different people raising money, and again, it's all going lishma and l'shem shamayim. What we're trying to do is, um, through our broader connections to the world over, make sure that those funds um, are both allocated and coordinated with people in Houston and um, those who are making sure that the disbursement process can be as transparent, as direct as possible. So again, there's lots of wonderful funding opportunities. We can definitely vouch for the fact that um, we're going to be setting up a system that is going to be audited and directed by people in the OU, the RCA, um, and uh, direction from the local uh, community leadership in Houston to make sure that every penny is distributed directly to need, not based on overhead, and something that people know that could make uh, the most difference. So that's the first area where we're trying to coordinate. Um, the second is volunteer efforts. And I'll just give you again, in terms of the situation on the ground, um, in terms of the from community and the broader community, uh, depending on where you are in Houston, the devastation is just staggering. Um, Again, the example many people use is the United Orthodox Synagogue, and you spoke to Rabbi Gelman the other day, right. um, where you have over 250 homes that are just simply destroyed. And the current need right now is simply raw manpower. They need volunteers. They're not yet getting the help they need in terms of manpower to actually gut these homes, to rip out the sheetrock, to scrub the you know walls, to clear the carpets, so that the process of assessing and rebuilding can happen. Without that, they really are in a big, uh, you know, a big mess of just having water sit, and that's the first need. And so, what we're trying to do, again, of course, together with Federation, with uh, uh, connecting with Chabad and a huge swath of other organizations, the essential clearinghouse, at least from within our community, to know who's coming, because we say, please don't just show up. Please coordinate with someone like the OU. Um, that will direct you. They have a very, very good deployment system of volunteers down there, but there is a very clear process you need to make sure to follow to be safe and to be effective as getting to where you need to go. Um, so that's another thing that we're coordinating, and that's actually uh, something we have a incredibly dedicated staff that has just, of course, in the last 36 hours exploded in size. <laughs> um, we've set up I can imagine. A, uh, yeah, so we've set up a um, website at OU.org that direct this effort when there's a volunteer section. Um, and we also have an email address, HoustonRelief at OU.org. And it's really important to understand how that's working, which is that um, either through that website you can um, put together exactly what you can volunteer in terms of your time if you want to head down to Houston. And that email address is all the different things people want to do to help, um, whatever it is that you're offering. And what we're having our staff do is 
monitor that email 24-7 and monitor that website 24-7. Hopefully going to be clearing the backlog because there is just a torrent of, of support. Um, and then collating and directing that information, connecting that with the people in Houston, what actually the needs are. So if you have 100 air mattresses that you want to donate to volunteers who are going to be able to stay there, if you have you know, a, a list of, you know, 30 refrigerators that you want to donate. If you want to try and offer a bunch of blankets, all of those things need to be coordinated and matched with a specific need. Wow. We're trying to do that in a way that and, and, you're not sending and, anything that isn't necessary because they can't store it and use it, right. and you are being uh, able to share the things that are useful. Um, and so coordinating that need is something that, you know, we're trying to work with the community to be able to do. And what a good um, idea and, that is, by the way. I mean, you just gave, in, in, the, in those couple of last sentences, you just gave a couple of really good practical suggestions for people of items that are needed down there, items that are needed and, and things that could be shipped yes. down eventually, certainly. I mean, I don't know about deliveries right this moment, but certainly in the next few days they'll be able to do that. Um, That's a great point that you're making. Just to interrupt for one moment, um, number one is to make sure, again, that what is coordinated is needed, you know, is actually what's needed. And, in fact, we've partnered with Seasons um, to send trailers that are now out around the area um, to collect some of those items and um it's important to know what are what things are needed now and what things are not needed now. As much as love wonderful goodwill, it's important to say if you have a particular thing to offer, maybe it might need to wait a week after all the storms right. subsided and all of the you know, and so we'll try and make sure we map that need with what is available. So so if someone's going today or Sunday, because I know that today and Sunday are still drop off days, to Clifton, Lawrence, Queens, Manhattan, Lakewood, Baltimore, Scarsdale to specifically drop stuff off. Uh, for seasons to bring down to Houston, uh, if they coordinate with you, they might actually it might it might be helpful uh, for you know non food items to be included in that delivery. They just need to coordinate Absolutely. with you so you, can, so you can let them know what needs to be done you know immediately with that stuff. Exactly, and the main in terms of what people are sending, uh, the main real needs for the cleanup effort are things like corrugated boxes, packing tape, heavy gloves. Um, there's masks that are used so you don't have to breathe in potentially moldy air, that they have a rating called N as a Nancy 95 and above, um, that um, bubble wrap, wrapping paper, because a lot of simply packing and salvaging has to happen, and that's the most immediate need that people are actually trying to work on just to clear those houses. I would guess heavy garbage bags as well. That would be... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. yes. Uh, Adir Posey's with us. He coordinates the uh, West Coast for the OU Synagogue Services uh, Texas is in his region, and he is uh, overseeing uh, this incredible effort as people all around the country and all around the world are trying to help as much as possible. Now, a point to make, and i got to give the community credit because the last time this happened, everybody really adhered to this and understood it because people were coming down for months after this happened. And, and the point is just that, that in October, in November, in December, in January, and beyond, there will be a need for volunteers and for items even then. People should keep that in mind, right? Absolutely. This is going to be a long-term recovery process. Some of the damage hasn't even been assessed yet, right. and it's just trying to figure out, um, number one, gutting, and then even trying to make a plan for the rebuilding process, and we're not even there yet. All right. And, uh, for instance, I know of an organization that is sending down volunteers. They've already set up a staggered system so everybody doesn't go down at the same time, and they'll be going down you know, in shifts over the next few weeks. And as you mentioned earlier, all of this, and I saw this with my own eyes two years ago, I'm sure it's going to be evident when we get down there next week, all of this being coordinated with the Federation, which makes a tremendous effort across the board for every Jewish person down there in all neighborhoods and of all backgrounds. 
and uh, between the OU and other major organizations, all of this is one united effort. And I know it's hard for people to believe when it comes to our community sometimes, but you, I'm sure, in the first week have already felt that, right? Absolutely, and it's important to just try and be in touch with everybody. So we get a central clearinghouse of just what's actually happening, what's going on. Um, and the important thing to note um, for those who aren't familiar exactly with the Houston community, is that it's not, um, you know, a huge, huge uh, from Jewish Orthodox community, although it's a, a significant one. But it's important to know that not everywhere we're flooded. Um, that that means something, and again, it's just incredible to see. There are folks in the local community who haven't flooded, and the way they stepped up in the immediate aftermath simply to help their brethren, to help with hosting, to help with places to stay, um, to try and help with themselves just jumping into their car and going three blocks to where it was flooded right. and to be able to start that gutting effort. The local community itself has just galvanized itself in a very inspiring way. Yeah, it is pretty amazing, that's for sure. All right, dear Posey, I have a feeling we're going to be in touch, so we will, we will speak again, no doubt, next week. Absolutely. Continued Hatzlach on these efforts. You're up, I mean, for people who know, you're actually on the West Coast, so you're, you're, you're putting in at least 20-hour days in this whole effort, and you and your staff should be commended for that, and we look forward to working more with with you and the OU as we get down there and report uh, uh, on the spot uh, to people around the world about everything that's going on and encouraging people to give and to be as supportive as possible in this effort. And by the way, we should mention one last thing in this conversation, and that is that Yuntav is fast approaching. People that may not realize today is the 10th of Elul. I am sure that that is a major factor as you and other uh, members of leadership are trying to coordinate things down there. Absolutely. And again, they have need for some of that staff and volunteering to people to come and do some of that preliminary gutting work, um, that need is exacerbated just by the timeline, um, and everybody has Yontif on their mind. Yeah, I can only imagine. All right, Adir, Tadarabah, have a Shabbat Shalom, and continued to success. You as well. And we'll speak next All week, no doubt. Adir yeah. Posey, he's the West Coast coordinator of the West Coast region, or the Western States region, maybe more accurate, uh, for the OUs, the Synagogue and Community Services. Uh, obviously, you heard how involved he is. And you'll hear plenty more as we um, have partnered with the OU to be down there next week in Houston. Uh, that is our intention. That is what we are doing. We are heading to Houston, Texas uh, to highlight uh, the situation, to encourage people around the world to be as generous as possible and to uh, let everybody know about this unified effort, which really is an inspiration. We, we're going to try to be as inspiring as possible to the people down there and give them a shoulder to cry on and uh, you know, and, and uh, put our arms around them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but one of the things that we gain from these Jewish Unity Initiative trips as an audience, as a collective community through these airwaves, is the uh, incredible unity and inspiration that comes from these efforts. So altogether, let's hope it's with great success and that we're able to convey to people how important it is to stay connected to our brothers and sisters in the Houston, Texas area. We'll be heading down at some point on Wednesday, so we'll be in our studios here on Labor Day Monday, then Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday and Fridays, JM and the AM of next week, uh, you'll be hearing from Houston, Texas. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candlelighting at 7.08 here in the New York area. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Shurumele, 
at JM in the AM. That is the uh, Proak selection. Proak, yes, enough. Uh, Yachad before that with Barry Weber. Yeah, good theme, Yachad. Togetherness, brotherhood, unity. Uh, the big announcement has now be, uh, become official now that the press release I see is uh, being prepared. Uh, the Nachum Single Network and the Orthodox Union have partnered in uh, the Hurricane Harvey Relief and Awareness down in Houston. OU doing an amazing job with the relief. We uh, plan on doing an amazing job regarding the awareness. It says here, New York-based Jewish Broadcasting Network to provide live coverage of the devastation and rebuilding of Houston's Jewish community. Yeah, that says it all. So Jewish Unity Initiative goes to Houston. That's the big announcement for today. We'll do it Wednesday. Uh, in studio Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday morning of next week with plenty of details as we get closer and closer as to what we're going to be doing down in Houston and who we're going to be taking with us. Uh, special guests are expected. And they'll have all those details, of course, right here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network. I want to thank the uh, people on our app. Heartwarming response on our app, to say the least. Kolakavot to NSN, always in the forefront of Jewish unity. Thank you. Someone writes, I'm always fascinated by the amazing work you do, keeping the Jewish community connected and unified. Keep up the great work. Kolakavot, thank you for that. Uh, someone writes, not just a radio show, not just a network, a worldwide community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, someone writes, going again? Yeah, we're going again. I was right. Uh, can't, uh, can't, um, it can't, uh, um, uh, deny that. Um, so those are some of the reactions. We thank you for that very, very much. Malcolm Holmline, the uh, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll be joining us coming up here at JMNAM with the weekly update. I am assuming there will not be a weekly update next week because of the uh, the trip. Uh, that's what I'm assuming. Um, Thursday and Fridays, JM and the AM will be from Houston, Texas. Uh, this is a request, a an Ani Mammon request. Um, from Yaakov Shweki in honor of Tova's first day of school in Israel. All right, this is in honor of Tova's first day of school in Israel. Also, I want to wish a happy birthday to B. Rosenbaum. B. Rosenbaum is celebrating a birthday. And uh, Ralph let me know about the big day. So B, down in uh, East Brunswick, New Jersey, we say mazal tov to you from all of us here at JMNAM. B. Rosenbaum celebrating a birthday today, or it may have actually been yesterday on the 31st. So happy birthday. And let's do our Elul Shofar blowing, and then we'll go into the uh, selection that we are dedicating to Tova's first day of school in Israel, right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. also want to take this opportunity to wish a happy birthday to listener Devora. Listener Devora, a happy birthday to you from all of us here at J.M. and the A.M. Weekly update coming up and plenty more happening on a Friday, a very, very busy Friday. This is brand new from Avremo, from Avram Freed here at J.M. in the A.M.
אם רק הייתי יכול, הייתי נותן לך חיבור גדול. אם זה היה אפשר, הייתי מאושר, כה מאושר. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל לחבק את בורא עולם, כה נעלם ונסתר, כל כך מושלם. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל להחזיר קצת טוב אל האבא, האבא של כולם. אני שר, אני שר רק בשבילך, עם כל צליל אומר תודה, ובעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. מתוך הלב והנשמה, כך בעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. אם רק הייתי יכול, הייתי נותן לך חיבור גדול, אם זה היה אפשר. הייתי מאושר, כה מאושר, אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל לחבק את בורא עולם, כה נעלם ונסתר, כל כך מושלם. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל להחזיר קצת טוב אל האבא, האבא של כולם. אני שר רק בשבילך, עם כל צליל אומר תודה, ובעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. שר רק לכבודך, מתוך הלב והנשמה, כך בעצם אני מחבק אותך אחרי כל השירים, אין לי עוד מילים. אחרי המנגינות, בוקות עכשיו תפילות. מכל הטוב שלו נגמר, כל כולי מאושר אני שר. אני שר, אני שר. Thank you. 
J.M. and the A.M. is Yosef Chaim. Uh, selection entitled Who You Vare. Happy birthday to Devorah Leitner from all of us here at J.M. and the A.M. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. They continue on a daily basis to utilize our content for the uh, incredible website that they uh, continue to create as uh, they go along. Really amazing stuff. Not only Simcha news, but plenty of news, good news in the Jewish world as well. So big shout out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitei with candlelighting at 7.08. Malcolm Honline is in Israel, which is always an extra treat for us. So we'll speak with him in just a second here. At JM and the AM, the announcement earlier, under an hour ago, we made it public that we will be heading to Houston, Texas. We'll be there for broadcast next Thursday and Friday. Our Houston broadcast will be next Thursday and Friday. We will we'll preempt everything, including the weekly update, uh, so we can bring you uh, what's happening down in Houston with the devastation to the Jewish community and, of course, beyond that, and uh, encouraging people around the world uh, to support and to give and to financially and in other ways support the Houston community as best as possible. That's our focus. A big thank you, of course, to the Orthodox Union. They are partnering with us, as I said earlier, um, uh, both to Alan Fagan and Mike Bain and to everybody who's uh, in the leadership of the OU. We thank them, and we hope to do a uh, yeoman's job in transmitting all of this to the worldwide Jewish community next week, Thursday and Friday from Houston, Texas. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations he is in the city of Jerusalem on this Friday here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom, shalom from the holy city and the holy state country. And it's a gorgeous day in Jerusalem. Many tourists here. I'm here for the Bar Mitzvah, the Jason family from Westchester, for those who know them, and for other, uh, for many meetings and other things. Uh, so business goes on as usual despite the summer lull. In, uh, in Israeli politics. Do you know, I don't even remember if this came up during a prior weekly update or not, do you know there was a day in August um, that ended up being the most, the highest number of people to walk into Ben Gurion Airport in its history? Right. Pretty amazing, right. huh? It's amazing, and uh, almost every day that Ben Gurion is full, the number of flights from all the airlines and the increasing number of lights coming from different countries are, thank God, full. So tourism is doing relatively well. It drops off after the summer, so those who want a good bargain should come here between Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot, and certainly for Sukkot if they can. And then the months afterwards, usually there's a drop, so it's a great time to come. You don't have lines. You can see all of Israel in great weather and enjoy it. It's pretty amazing, and uh, we, as you know, we landed uh, just after Tisha B'Av uh, two trips ago in Israel, and I'm saying to myself, what on earth? You know, how is it possible there's so many people in this airport on a day like today? But it seems like it's just a daily occurrence. It's pretty amazing. we got to keep that in mind. And the number of non-Jews traveling to Israel, not this is, this is not a knock on the Jewish community. I'm trying to uh, make a point. The number of non-Jews traveling to Israel is staggering. It is unbelievable how many people around the world are using Israel as a tourist spot these days. Really and remarkable. even conferences of African Christian leaders that I saw here, of others. Uh, uh, Governor Brownback from Kansas is here with a group, uh, and these are just the ones that I have run into, but there are many here, and it's, uh, it's absolutely true that they're discovering Israel, and they're coming, and they come again. 
And uh, I also want to congratulate you on doing the show next week from uh, Houston. I think it's a tragedy that people really don't know the depth. Uh, my daughters have friends there. They sent pictures that are unbelievable of the water at uh, coming up to the street, the uh, street lights, to the those traffic signals in places. It's just uh, a very broad uh, damage and devastation to to the Jewish community and to the general community. Make sure you pack a bathing suit. <laughs> yeah, at least boots, if not the and bathing goggles. suit. The um and uh, first of all, I thank you for that. Um, Jewish Unity Initiative lives in this in, in this upcoming brand new season of the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank God. But as you know, one of our staff members, Yoni Pollock, is from Houston. You've met him, and he's from Houston. And we have pictures of his family being rescued in boats, and he'll be heading down there uh, Sunday to to assist them in any which way possible. Not just one little one very tiny piece to this entire story, because as you just indicated, it's in the tens and hundreds of thousands of people who are affected, actually more like millions. But people ask me to ask you about your reaction to all of this. I mean, I'm not quite sure what unique reaction you'd have to the situation other than what you just said now. I mean, it, it is noteworthy, thank God, that again, Israel, in, in a couple of different ways, has responded, sending teams of, of those who are necessary down there on the ground to help out. And, and that you know, at, at this point, it's like, <laughs> There's nothing special about it because it seems to happen during every natural disaster around the world that Israelis are responding and coming from the Holy Land. Yes, but it's not something that gets uh, noticed. And I, I don't think it's only because it's routine, but because it's Israel that they don't take note of the fact that they have first responders, people who have experience in dealing with these uh, circumstances and others uh, coming to Israel, that the story is beginning to get out minimally about how much Israelis... And I mean beyond the army, which not only uh, is taking in and going across the border to rescue people, to take them to hospitals in Israel, where more than 3,000 have been treated for free, some involving very expensive maneuvers, hospitals brought a financial crisis position because of the amount of money that's entailed. And in addition, Israelis have contributed $32 million to provide aid to Palestinian villages near the border and to provide assistance, hundreds of pallets of drugs and food and, and, and immense quantities of stuff. And six million of it came from the IDF, but the rest just from individuals and foundations and stuff here in Israel. This is a, a, a truly remarkable story. I know that uh, Conan O'Brien is in Israel, and he suggested that the, the doctors working there should get the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. No, no, Good idea. Know, maybe. Good idea. You know, and the truth is, that is exactly right. And if it had been any other country, there would have been no question about the kind of proposal. And, and that the IDF itself, how young people risk their lives to go across to take Syrian children and adults and to bring them into Israel and to take them back and escort them back into Syria afterwards. And the, you know, the lack of recognition of this and the lack of appreciation. I mean, where's all of the civilized world? Had they responded similarly? You might have saved a lot of lives, and the situation been different. And these communities, the villages now, say that they own they owe their existence now to Israel. That they were the ones who who came forward and helped them. And at the same time, we see that now the Iranians are going to be within five miles of the Syrian border with Israel. And the at least according to some reports in, in Arab sources. And uh, that the, the you know the Iranians have seventy thousand troops directly and indirectly under their control in, in Syria. That they're expanding their footprint. There's actually even conflicts now between them and the U.S. troops. 
um, about control of, of points on the Syrian-Iraqi border, which they want in order to smuggle in their manpower and their uh, weapons and have free crossing. And the U.S. is seeking to control it to be able to stop uh, the flow of weapons, especially uh, that end up going all the way up to the north, to, to Beirut, to Hezbollah. And the, 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 the level of involvement now of countries of Turkey Turkey, Iran, and, and Iran seeming to be working together, though there's no basis for that to continue. I mean, it's, at some point, their interests are going to diverge or already diverge. But the, the fact is that we're, we're seeing Iran move more and more into control. And think of what the crisis will be then as they bring people from Afghanistan and Iraq, Shiites, to repopulate areas that they stripped of the Sunni populations. And uh, flying in violation of their agreements, using their civilian aircraft to fly soldiers in, weapons in. They they are building facilities in in uh, Iran in Syria for weapons and and perhaps missile production as well as in Lebanon. So Iran is moving all the time and and will create a circumstance that will be far more challenging than what we have known in the Iranian just appointed a new defense minister, and he asserted, you know, his support for the, he does not, come, first one who didn't come from the Iran Revolutionary Guard, but asserted his support for Al-Quds, for Soleimani, for the missile program, said we're going to restore the um, uh, the resistance front, and everything that one would have uh, hoped right. would not be said at this point is being asserted by, by them. On, on the other point regarding the weapons, how effective is Israel? when it comes to deflecting the weapons away from the north? Well, the fact is that if Hezbollah has 150,000 missiles or 120,000 missiles, says that it's almost impossible to prevent everything. They have acknowledged at least 100 strikes against convoys. The U.S., by the way, this week bombed a convoy of ISIS moving from the Lebanon border into Syria and as a result of a deal with Hezbollah, between Hezbollah and the ISIS forces, which uh, gained them more credibility in Lebanon, but at the same time resentment because they felt that these negotiations should be done by the Lebanese government, not by uh, uh, Hezbollah. But, and, and then, as I said, U.S. hit uh, two air, there were two airstrikes against these uh, 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 convoys. But Iran is moving ahead. Israel can't be on the ground so that they can monitor and hit individual shipments. But if they build the facility, so all you're going to have is the raw materials going north, and they will be assembled into missiles either in Lebanon, or if they're done in Syria, that too will make it more difficult, not impossible, to uh, to prevent the, the shipments. And, and that's why that transnational highway that I've been talking about for so long and the Shiite crescent from from Tehran through Iraq, through Syria, through Lebanon, to the Mediterranean, is such a, a vital threat to America's interests, Western interests, the interests of the other countries in the region, and certainly to Israel. Where, do, where are those American forces that end up uh, bombing and derailing these armed shipments? Where are they stationed? Where Are they, where, are they embedded in the Israeli well, army? Where are they? No, no, no. They come from, well, the airstrikes can come from Qatar, and from um, air bases in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and come from off ships.
but they primarily come from our bases in the in the Persian Gulf. They um, we have very few troops on the ground. We have advisors. We have some troops who are who right. are there. The ones I talked about are in southeast Syria, where they're fighting, you know, to maintain the border crossings. Uh, they are mostly there to support the Kurds, for instance, and which gets Turkey angry. Uh, and they're there to support some of the, uh, you know, anti-Assad forces. But the role has been more limited now. These airstrikes, I think, are a very important sign if America is going to take a more decisive stand to try and contain uh, the, Iran's work. And I think Russia will, will also want to do that. Iran uh, is, is sending reinforcements to the, the uh, confliction zones. Those are the safe zones, whatever. They, they have different names for it in southeast Syria, but they're, they're looking to, to fill the void wherever, wherever they can. And um, I think that the the uh, you know proposals now that we're seeing about uh, various approaches to this are are really only going to enshrine the role of uh, uh, of Iran. And then they're seeing also that they can stand up to the West. They refused this week to allow inspections right to the you know uh, from the IEA uh, of their nuclear sites. Something Nikki Haley spoke about very effectively uh, and about Lebanon also this week. Uh, and then the French are proposing talks to deal with Iran post-JCPOA. Well, this is a, then an acknowledgment that we're going to allow them to go through with it, despite the violations. The president has to make a decision soon whether to certify or not, and the implications of uh, either decision is, uh, are serious and are being weighed, I assume, now by the, within the administration. There are people who you know support either approach or and will try to justify it. Uh, based on America's interest and what the long-term prospects will be if we allow Iran then claim that they're not bound by the agreement anymore. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com. On the NahumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem. By the way, I'm just curious, could you arrange any meetings for this week? Is everyone is, is Are all government officials out of the country on vacation, or there are still people around that you can meet with? No, absolutely. There are plenty of people around. There are few people who are out of the country, but I have to say I have a full schedule of meetings uh, for every day that I'm here. And the other thing is, you know, on this point with Iran, and you just went through the, the nuclear deal, Nikki Haley's reaction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, those who read David Sanger and Rick Gladstone in the New York Times uh, are aware of the fact that the U.N. monitor has said that Iran is complying with the nuclear deal. And uh, right. <laughs> I... I, I ha if that's true, and if the United States government, you know, believes that report, then there's really no no question the president would go ahead and uh, and what is it called? Reconfirm the agreement. Well, there's two there are two parts. Recertify, uh, right. but there are two parts to it. One is whether the spirit in the letter. How do you judge the uh, ballistic missile program or their aggressiveness in Syria or their uh, other activities and certainly the support for terrorism? And does that uh, uh, allow him to say that that, that this uh, that America's national interest, which is really what you weigh, is it's that it's a national security waiver that it endangers it. The quarterly report that you refer to, that was released uh, yesterday uh, by the IEA, said that uh, now after the two years, uh, the Iran supply and enrichment levels of uranium fuel were within the allowed limits of the agreement. 
and uh, the supply of heavy water was also within limits. Even though they say that they are reconstructing the Iraq nuclear, heavy water nuclear reactor, they said that they can ramp up in five days to 20% enrichment, which is enough for a bomb. But more than that, if you look at their activities on the ground, in the region, beyond the region, this is also a consideration. And, and I think that the new sanctions work, have an impact, if they're done right, especially uh, if we can get the Europeans to go along with some, but they seem to be hell-bent on allowing and, again, closing their eyes to all the violations, all of the uh, actions, and the, uh, by and large in Europe, not all. I think you, uh, the British and others have been critical. But th- there are no sanctions applied and the United States, you know, if countries have to choose between doing business with Iran and doing business with the United States, believe me, it's an easy choice. Yeah, I would think so. The Israeli ambassador returning to Egypt means the security threats are now over in Egypt. Things are much calmer. I would say that they're that they're calmer. It's not over, and he he went with a team of uh, security people. I think it's symbolically important. There were a lot of people urging the return so that you, you show that the Egyptian is a relationship is as strong as it is on the ground in, in, in the Sinai and the cooperation along the borders and their uh, work together in uh, other areas. The, the, you know, the fact that, that the United States cut a couple hundred million dollars off of the aid to Egypt, which I think everybody acknowledges now was certainly poor timing and not good judgment when the country is fighting against the terrorists from outside and inside. Uh, and hopefully that will be restored and the president called President Sisi and I think try to put everything back on track. Interesting. And the um, the State Department, you you posted this in, in the Daily Alert, is filling an anti-Semitism envoy post. That's a, a position that's already existed or this is brand new? No, this is a position that's existed. I think for more than a dozen years, and it was uh, the person left who, who had it under Obama. And now they, he, he said that he was reviewing them. He, he, it's not just the special envoy anti-Semitism. I think there are a couple dozen positions, and they um, uh, decided to, to, he announced that he is going to fill uh, this post and some of the others on Holocaust resources, et cetera, uh, but many that are not specifically Jewish, including the um, religious freedom abroad, which I think uh, Governor Brownback, who's visiting here, is uh, has been already announced as the uh, ambassador, special envoy for uh, religious freedom. So th- the decision is to knock off a few, uh, to close a few offices, to merge a few others, and then to appoint people for these jobs. And there are many candidates, I understand, for it, but... Um, and I think it's an, it's an important message this time, especially when we have so many people, uh, you know, so many uh, incidents of anti-Semitism, and um, this sends a message of America's sustained commitment to fight it at home and abroad. There's an indication, by the way, that there's uh, further negotiations with the Netanyahu government regarding the Israeli embassy move uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So my question is, is it... Uh, is it negotiations with the prime minister to uh, uh, to con- to convince him that the embassy should be moved, or is it negotiations with the prime minister to convince the president of the United States that the embassy should be moved? You have to ask him that, but I think <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if negotiations is the right word. My sense is that it's discussion that the issue came up in the talks. It's certainly not the central issue. Um, I think the question is not 
that nobody disagrees about wanting to move it. The question is how to do it. And um, I think that that is the nature uh, of the discussion. We're not going to move the building from Tel Aviv now. That's going to take a long time to do. Uh, as I said, you know, all along from the beginning, that we have to do it smart. We should do it, but it should be done smart, which means not to arouse unnecessary reaction. We saw it when the president went to the Kotel, did something that I think that was equally dramatic uh, by declaring the Kotel a Jewish site and praying there and, um, and most demonstrative act. And there was no Arab demonstration. There was no Arab re- reaction to it. So we just have to sometimes do things, not talk so much, and do it smart. And that means putting up a plaque, doing something else that just establishes the principle and later we can worry about uh, moving uh, facilities. And I don't know if they can even if, do all of that in Jerusalem that they do in the big building in Tel Aviv. Oh, I get all that. I only brought it up because I, I continue to be completely uh, curious about whether it's whether how possible it is that the prime minister himself is holding things up, but whatever. I'm not going to put you on the spot. No, no, no. That's not the prime minister, and you know every this. I know, but the rumor mills but, in both but, countries. But, you know, blame everybody but for too everything. Many, but too many responsible people say it. Too many people who 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 know something about his administration always say it. That's why. That's why I keep thinking. Well, there are there may be some truth to to some of these things, but we see how much. You know, he talks all the time now about fake news in, in Israel, and there's obviously validity that the media he buys. We see it in, in the United States as well, uh, on the left and the right. And, the um, you know, the reports here that when Mr. Greenblatt, uh, you know, went to the visit the tunnels and called on them, you know, to build, not to build tunnels, build hospitals, it won't get coverage in the United States. Or, or the Ambassador Freeman spoke uh, gave a, a broad briefing about the United States and Israel having common goals in Syria and understandings, and that the relationship is so strong uh, between the two leaders, uh, the, you know, the positive stories. And then uh, th- there may have been some uh, decision on the part of the, of the government of Israel not to push at a particular time. But in the beginning, the problem was that everybody talked so much about it that it started getting a reaction. And instead of you know, quietly doing it and accomplishing the end. And in Israel, often, you know, ministers and others feel the need always to get to the press and to be the first to say something about everything. All right, I hear that. Would you agree, and you can tell me I'm crazy, but would you agree that the uh, the Chinese and Japanese reaction to North Korean missile activity is a little too quiet? Or you wouldn't say that. You'd say that their, that their reaction is, is, is relatively strong and impressive. Well, the Japanese reaction is, is strong, and they are apoplectic about North Korea generally, let alone a nuclear North Korea. The Chinese are the ones who have the most clout. They have the most lose. They have their 90% of the, I think, imports of, of North Korea or more are Chinese. China is, is concerned about a, a collapse of the system there in North Korea because that means millions of refugees flowing across their border again. Uh, they also want to assert their dominance in the region and not have other parties come in and, and uh, play important roles. So it's, there are a lot of uh, considerations that go into w- w- how you should respond. And, and we have to have a game plan if we decide to take uh, further action, which may well be called for. But we have to remember, North Korea is not a, a great power. And if the Russians and Chinese would really cooperate, I think that we could certainly address it. The danger to of an attack on South Korea taking many lives on on Guam on Japan, 
I mean, those are things that you have to take into account. But America has the firepower. We have the ability to, to take out the regime. But the question is, you know, what is the best strategy? What is most effective? How big a threat really is it? Uh, I'm afraid that it's a diversion from some of the other threats that get much less attention, although people are beginning to discover the Iranian designs to control the region, the hegemony, and Turkey's uh, designs. But they go as far as Asia. They go into to, to Africa. They go into South America. And there doesn't seem to be the concern about the, the growing network of, of uh, presence, the bases, and others of both countries, and, and they're to destabilize the region because they're trying to assert their control, their caliphate, their um, uh, message in, in all of these parts of the world, and to, to be in a position to dictate uh, outcomes. Was it a, an active missile week for uh, North Korea? Was it since we last spoke last Friday? Have there well, been... supposedly there were, there were those uh, uh, two launches this past week, but it's not clear um, because the pictures are, are put out. Uh, we monitor, obviously, all of the launches uh, that uh, took place. I think there was one that was a 1,500-kilometer uh, missile launch, but the um, you know the, there are a lot of questions about the accuracy, the guidance systems. I'm not a technician, and uh, they were engineers, so uh, I don't know all of the requirements in particulars. But certainly, they um, you know they're still developing them. They're extending the range all the time, and they're making them uh, nuclear warhead capable. Ah, uh, the PA. We know about the. I mean, we've said this many times about the uh, failed leadership of Mahmoud Abbas. Any update regarding the uh, PA and its supposed upcoming elections? Um, anybody who would bet on an election in the PA, I think, has to have their head examined. What we've seen is number one, Abbas continuing to play the game uh, of old, and that is to to always play brinkmanship, to play, put shifty onus to Israel. He is doing nothing to stop the funding of the terrorists, the money that is going to them, and, and defies both the Congress, the Euro, even some European countries in the United States, about uh, rewarding terrorists. And in fact, we know that, that uh, the, the summer camps, the PA summer camps with 120,000 children with money from the EU and UN and elsewhere, uh, did military training, glorifying the martyrs. Uh, even a camp for Israeli Arabs, a summer camp, uh, honored the, the uh, quote, martyrs, these are obviously the terrorists, and they, they marched you know, saying with spirit and blood we will redeem Palestine, and they then, then went to visit the families of terrorists. <coughs> so the glorification of terror continues, the incitement continues, uh, and we see very little being done on the ground. The frustration amongst the people grows. The situation in Gaza is not clarified. We haven't seen a, a takeover by Tahlan and the call by um, uh, Mr. Greenblatt for, for rightly that um, the PA should be in control of Gaza, but it doesn't look like, like they have the capacity to do that anytime soon. Unbelievable. Um, any other good news you could tell us before we wrap things up? What else can you tell us that's on the positive side in the Holy Land that you've discovered? You still there? <laughs> oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> Any positive developments? Uh, anything inspiring you could share with us? Well, what we what we have seen is is um, the in, in, increasing Turkish crackdown on 
people on the, within the countries. The Palestinian crackdown on their judiciary, by the way, and exercising more and more uh, uh, control. But if you notice that the uh, security guards who came with Erdogan and who worked for the Turkish embassy uh, were indicted and for for um, the violence against protesters when President Erdogan was here on May 16th, and the grand jury uh, brought charges. They did it outside of the home of the, the, uh, the demonstration was outside the home of the Turkish ambassador when President Erdogan went to visit there. Uh, many people did not think that that would actually take place. So that's a, I mean, it's a domestic issue in a sense, but obviously has uh, international implications, international uh, significance. I think that the, you know, that we we have seen um, the French proposal now, and my concern is that they will try to move the focus away from Iranian compliance at this point to the broader issues of, you know, Iran and how you integrate Iran and how you build a long-term relationship and make them responsible citizens. You are not going to make them responsible citizens. It's a contradiction in terms to, to uh, you know, who, what they are about. So the, the important thing now is to hold their feet to the fire, to keep pressing, to continue to, to add sanctions, that have meaningful impact on the oil sector, on the banking sectors, and most of all now, that we have to look at the future of Syria, that it not become a purely Iranian base of operation, that we support the elements in Iraq against Iran, and, um, you know, we have a Kurdish uh, election coming, referendum coming up very soon, September 25th, I think. These are all going to be critical uh, matters. And then the U.N. General Assembly uh, begins... On September 18th, Netanyahu will be speaking the opening day so we can get back for, to, for Rosh Hashanah to, to Israel. And I mention it because of, you know, all next week, so we're going to be seeing an mm-hmm. influx of many uh, world leaders coming here. And it'll be interesting to see whether there's a tripartite meeting of uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, President Abbas, and President Trump, or will they each just come and do their own thing? Uh, President Trump doesn't want to stay in New York long, and they are cutting back the usual entourage that comes uh, to the United Nations, uh, in part to play down the significance and in part to to, uh, show that that to be more efficient and effective. And we have to say that Nikki Haley this week again demonstrated very strong leadership in addressing uh, Iran and uh, the events in Lebanon. Why do you think the president doesn't uh, uh, come out with stronger statements regarding the payments that PA leadership gives to the terrorist families? Wouldn't you think that this would be such an easy issue for Washington to take on and really pressure Abbas? It's like, it's it's a no-brainer. Well, I do think the president has, he did speak about it. He spoke about it early on, and members of Congress from both parties are speaking about it. It It's almost unanimous unanimous consent about it in in the Congress uh, across the the aisles. Uh, I I don't think that this time on that issue can fault the the administration's uh, outspokenness. They have. They have uh, threatened to cut off the funds. Uh, You know, there are implications of that, and even some Israelis uh, have raised concerns about what it would mean. But it just can't continue. We cannot just allow this uh, horrendous practice it doesn't go on anywhere else in the world that we know of, where the more you kill, the more you're rewarded by a government with using, utilizing all the foreign funds for this purpose. So hopefully that is something where we will see uh, uh, the pressure brought in real change. 
and beyond that, Abbas has no successor. There's no, you know, nobody who's emerging yeah. as a potential leader. So, you know, he just keeps moseying along in, in, in the 11th year of his four-year term. Talk about a free ride, huh? Amazing. Yeah, well, that's not free for the Palestinian people, and it's not free for the Jewish people, the Israeli people. It's, uh, and, and all the time, vital interests are being lost instead of going into economic development programs, real changes, cooperating on water, on electricity, on so many other things that could improve the quality of life. And, and I do believe that that's the direction in which uh, they're going to move the talks because a grand deal design is not going to be uh, coming into effect now. It, 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 using incremental steps of economic development, other things that build confidence, I think is the way to go. All right, next week, Houston, uh, two weeks from today, the 15th, we'll reconvene. Enjoy Jerusalem and have a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to you and to everyone. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update every single Friday here at JMN. The exception next week, of course, as we mentioned, will be in Houston, Jewish Unity Initiative, traveling uh, with the OU to Houston, Texas, and um, hoping to uh, inspire the world to focus on our brothers and sisters down in that region. This time each and every Friday morning, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kiseitzei. Parshas Kiseitzei, according to the Chinuch, has the distinction of containing the most mitzvos of any parsha. There are no less than 74 mitzvos, 27 positive and 47 restrictions. Among the different mitzvos in this parsha is that of A, returning a lost object, Hashavas Aveda. Next, the mitzvah of Kvura Bikarka, which is to bury uh, someone in the ground and, parenthetically, as quickly as possible. The mitzvah of Shatnez, not to wear a garment of wool and linen. And this applies to men, women, and children. And it is a relatively easy mitzvah to fulfill, to have one's garments checked to make sure that there is not wool and linen together. Both the mitzvah of marriage is found in this parsha and divorce. It doesn't mean that there's a mitzvah to divorce your wife, but should a couple need to undergo a divorce, it is not sufficient to have a civil divorce, nor can one simply say, so long, it's been good to know you, but rather there has to be as the Torah says, there is to be a written document. And finally, the parsha concludes with the mitzvah of blotting out the memory of Amalek. As an introduction to the mitzvah that I'd like to focus on this morning, namely, Lo Yovo Amoni Umoavi, Bekal Hashem, 
that someone from the people of Ammon and Moab, a male, even if they convert, they cannot marry into the Jewish people. So by way of introduction to this uh, mitzvah, I'd like to ask a very basic question, namely, who is at the center of one's universe? What does that mean? This intriguing question has the most profound effect on one's life and one's destiny. The Chovos Halavovos reminds us that if one has Hashem at the center of their life, then what naturally follows is Hakoras Hatov, recognition and appreciation of all the good that He does on our behalf. His taking us out of Egypt is not just a monumental moment in Jewish history, but obligates us and provides us with the privilege to reciprocate to him we now owe him. The last verse in Sefer Tehillim, Kol Haneshama Tahalel Ka, Hallelujah, is to be understood not only that each individual praises Hashem, but we owe gratitude for each and every breath that we are fortunate to breathe. But if He, Hashem, is absent from the center of our universe, then man himself is there, then man can live a most arrogant lifestyle as everything is coming to him and he owes nothing to anybody. Now the Torah informs us that man was created in the image of God, which among other meanings is the ability to emulate his maker. And indeed, the 611th mitzvah of Olachto Bidrachav, man is commanded to emulate the nature of Hashem. Mahu Afatah, just as he, so to you. And therefore, in the beginning of creation, when all vegetation and herbage was created, but not yet sprouted, the Torah proceeds to tell us that the whole. Why? Namely, the Torah says Hashem had not yet sent the rain upon the earth, for there was no man to work the soil. And Rashi quotes the Gemara Chulin, in 60b, that Hashem waited for man to realize the need and importance for rain, for vegetation to grow, and thus to appreciate rain. Hashem's first lesson to Adam Arishon was to be a makir tov, appreciative of the goods and services bestowed on one's behalf. And indeed, the Maharal in his good Aryeh adds on this Pasuk, it's forbidden to extend goodness to one who does not appreciate it. And therefore, based on this Maharal, one can derive a deeper meaning of the verse, Lotov heyos heodom levado, at the 
towards the end of chapter 2 of Bereshis. This means literally, it's not good that man be alone. But a deeper understanding is Lotov. He cannot be Tov, he cannot be good if he has no one for whom and to whom to extend goodness. And thus, throughout creation, when the Torah repeats and says, Hashem saw that it was good, so the Ksava Kabbal explains, Hashem was not glowing and bragging in self-aggrandizement over his accomplishment, but rather Hashem saw that his creation could be shared and thus extend goodness to others, namely mankind. And indeed, we find that Hashem himself was Makir Tov to the twelve Nesim, the princes, on the occasion of the dedication of the Mishkan. Why was it necessary for the Torah to repeat the precise offering of each Nasi twelve times? The Torah could have stated it once. And the Ramban answers that it was Hashem's way of saying thank you, HaKoras HaTov, to each Nasi for not trying to outdo and exceed the offering of the previous day. They all conformed in modesty and extended dignity to each other. And Hashem thus responded in kind and showed HaKoras HaTov to each Nasi. And interestingly, the very opening word of the Torah, Bereshis, the commentaries see not only answering the question of when, but why. Why did Hashem create the world? And Rashi says, because of Torah and because of Israel that are called Reshis. But the Medrash says also for Bikurim, the first fruit, Reshis Bikureyad Mascha. The mitzvah bringing the first fruits to the base of Migdash, accompanied by a paragraph of thanksgiving to Hashem. Now, interestingly, of all the mitzvahs of the Torah, why is Bikurim singled out for honorable mention that the world was created for Bikurim? And the answer, as many of our Musar teachers note, is to impress upon us, namely... From the first word of the Torah, the centrality of Hakoras Hatov, expressing thank you to Hashem. Now, indeed, our very name Yehudim, commonly translated as Jews, in reality stems from Yehuda, whose birth was accompanied by Leah's appreciation of the kindness and generosity that was done to her. But the Mishnah at the end of Brachos on Nun Dalit Amaralev teaches that one is to be Modeh Ala Ovar Vitsoek Ala Osid. Be grateful and thankful for the past and pray with fervor for the future. Built into our very DNA is the obligation for ethical behavior, namely to humble man, to take note and realize that he could not do it alone. And therefore, he, he, man, is to show gratitude for all that complement and assist his life. 
And thus, in this week's parasha, among the 74 mitzvos, is the prohibition of allowing a male member of Amon and Moab for marrying into the Jewish people. The Torah says, quote, because of the fact that they did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Egypt, and because he hired against you, Bilam, to curse you. Now, at first glance, this seems like a rather harsh response to their lack of hospitality. However, it goes much deeper on two levels. Firstly, these two nations are descendants of Lot, Avram's nephew, and the Torah says explicitly that when Hashem destroyed the cities of the plain of Sodom and Amorah, that Hashem remembered Avram, so he sent Lot from amidst the upheaval. And Rashi cites the Medrash that Hashem Hashem rewarded Lot for his silence in Egypt when Avram told the authorities that Sarah was his sister, and he, Lot, who knew the truth, did not contradict and betray his uncle. Hence, Hashem recognized the good that he had done and remembered him by saving him. The male descendants of Lot, who had the opportunity to be hospitable, to show Akoras Hatov to a nation, indeed a relative, that had been persecuted in Egypt, and they refused, this revealed a character flaw of such great significance that the Torah forbade our marrying these men. And in addition, note... Lot had the trait of keeping silent and had learned from his uncle, Hachnos Orchim, hospitality. Yet his very progeny betrayed him on both accounts. Moab hired Bilam not to keep silent but to curse the Jewish people and Ammon was in, inhospitable. The trait of being Makir Tov Acknowledging the good performed on your behalf leads, I believe, to a greater degree of happiness in your life. Perhaps this is so, as one lives without a sense of entitlement. And as Yaakov Avinu says, I am diminished and overwhelmed by all the kindnesses that He, Hashem, has done on my behalf. Thus, one is truly grateful for whatever comes their way. And moreover, Hakoras Hatov empowers. Note teaches Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, Zechatzadik Levrocha in Sichos Musar, that Elioa Novi and Elisha, his disciple, both of whom performed the miracle of Trias HaMesim, resurrecting the dead, why asks Reb Chaim, didn't they revive their parents and or other loved ones? And he answers very sharply that they each, having been the recipient of generous hospitality, their great sense of gratitude, true Akoras Hatov, engaged them and enabled them to revive their respective young men. And therefore, may we, in the not-too-distant days of Aseris Yemei Tshuva, when we recite in every Shmona Esrei, Sochreinu Lechayim, asking Hashem to remember us for life, because after all, we hope we have utilized the gift of life until now to serve you and your people, that we may ask for an extension of your beneficence. 
And finally, I feel I would be remiss if I did not conclude with the teaching of the Maral at the beginning of Gevuros Hashem, who notes, why is there no limitation to relating the story of the Exodus on the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim? And he answers that when it comes to Akoras Atov, there is no limit. It may be compared to you having eaten a sandwich for lunch. You not only say thank you to Hashem for the food in bracha number one, but you thank Hashem for Eretz Yisrael in bracha number two. You thank Hashem for the kingships of David and the Beis Hamikdash in bracha number three, and for His kindness for us in exile in bracha number four. The idea is once we start thanking Him, there is no stopping. And the same with true with Hallel, which is basically what it means to be a Jew. And so, my friends, the Gemara in Bava Kama, Tzadi Beis, Ahmed Beis, teaches, Chamra Lamore, which means the wine belongs to the hosts, the Tivusa Lashake, but yet you say thank you to the waiter. Why are you saying thank you to the waiter? A, it's not his. B is being paid, but the answer is you have to train yourself to say thank you. Because if you're not going to say thank you, uh-oh, why should I say thank you to my parents? After all, I didn't ask them to have me. Why should I say thank you to my wife? After all, I give her the paycheck, and therefore she gets whatever I give her. I enable her to get what she gets. Why should I be thankful to my teachers? They got paid for it. You can rationalize chas v'shalom away any and all. And our tradition teaches us just the opposite. Be proud Jews. What does that mean? Be ever grateful and not just have it, that gratefulness in your heart, but don't forget to articulate it to all around you. Shabbat Shalom to all. Menucha v'simcha Or la'yehudim Yom Shabbaton Yom Machmadim Shomra v'zochav Hem ha'meidim Kilashishakon <laughs> אשר דיבר לעושה גולתו שם עולקות שומבו בעצתו שבת קודש יום חמדתו כי בו שבת אל מכל מלאכתו במצוות שבת אל יחליצה Ukraine, <laughs> 
Jam in the AM with Yitzchak Fuchs. Menucha v'simcha. Uh, well, as we said in the 7 o'clock hour for the first time, we've been saying it since. We're heading to Houston next week. Jewish Unity Initiative, Houston 2017. Our goal is to uh, broadcast from Houston, bring some special guests, um, give the community there some chizuk, some inspiration. Um, and, of course, to inspire our audience to be as generous as possible financially and otherwise to the Houston Jewish community and beyond. It will be a while, a long while, before life is back to normal for them down there. We'll be there Thursday, excuse me, Wednesday and Thursday, which means uh, Thursday and Fridays, JM and the AM, will be coming to you from Houston. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candlelighting at 7.08. Big thank you to the OU, the Orthodox Union, partnering with us in this incredible effort, the next stage of our Jewish Unity Initiative. Reminder that Monday is Labor Day, and nonetheless, we'll be here. That's right. Labor Day itself. We'll be here between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. 58 degrees, mostly sunny, a high of 73. Looks like a, a cool and nice Shabbos ahead. A couple of reminders. The um, Bialystoker Synagogue presents the Siegel Torah Institute in memory of my parents. Starting this Tuesday, every Monday through Thursday, a Gemara Shear at 9.45, a special Shear on Halacha, Parsha Shavua, etc. at 11 a.m. Class is given by Dr. David Horowitz, Rosh Shiva and Rosh Chabura at the Kachim Kolel of Ritz up at Yeshiva University. It's an adult learning program. Anybody you know of any age who would like to take advantage of being in Lower Manhattan and hearing two Shearim a day Monday through Thursday, Starting at 9.45 in the morning, please let them know. For information, it's bialystucker.org or 
jam in the Good song. That's a good song. Lukavit Shabbos is the name of Milo Cohn. Milo Cohn, of course, was with us uh, here at Jam the earlier in the week. That's a good song. I like it. Lukavit <laughs> Shabbos, it's called. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. We're here Monday, Labor Day. We're here Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Mark Wolf is scheduled to join us Wednesday about the uh, Yeshiva University investiture of the brand new president. That'll be next week. Uh, Thursday and Friday from Houston, Jewish Unity Initiative. Big kudos to the OU and to all of our sponsors for uh, believing in us again and for allowing us to take the message of brotherhood and unity to the uh, to the Jewish world. Um, table for two coming up with Naomi Nachman. Then it's the Arab Shabbos show presented by our friends at Kedem. Mark Zamek between 10 and 1. Then the Arab Shabbos music mix presented by our friends at Kedem. All through the day until candle lighting time. Um, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami starts at 9. Sunday with JM Sunday. Matis JM Sunday starts at 7. Goes from 7 until 9. Tune in. You want Rabbi Goldwasser? You want the Elul Chauffeur blowing? Tune in Sunday to Matis between 7 and 9 a.m. You'll be very, very happy. Oh, yes. Very, very happy indeed. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had to tell everybody before we start to wrap things up. I think that does it for now. Check out our community calendar online for events happening in your area. Big announcement about uh, heading to Houston has been made. Again, kudos to the OU and everybody who's uh, supporting the Jewish Unity Initiative. Time to say good job as it's Journeys at JM and the AM.
say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and on the beloved NSN app. Oh, I am so proud to say that wraps up another amazing week here at JM in the AM. The official start to Season 6 of what we call the Nahum Siegel Network is Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, day after Labor Day, but we're here Labor Day morning, and Matis is in Sunday with a live presentation of JM Sunday of Rummy Tomorrow Night with Saturday Night Siegel. All day today, of course, big thank you to our friends at Kedem. They are the ones who sponsor the Arab Shabbos Music Mix and the Arab Shabbos Show that Mark Zamek does. Recommend to all your friends to tune in all day long to the Arab Shabbos programming on NSN. They'll be glad you did. They'll thank you, and they'll be glad you did. Have a phenomenal Shabbos. Wonderful weekend, everybody. Pray and keep in mind those down in the Houston area for all that they are uh, going through. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. (laughs) 